Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality with your host, me, Aliyah Lovely. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, psychics, aliens, religion, new age stuff, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, philosophy, and even dating. Some of the shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and new discoveries and other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up about what spirituality in today's world really looks like. Karen Headley, also known as Coach Keza, is a proud Kiwi New Zealander who's an anxiety and meditation coach. And it's just 25 years he's turned his experience of overcoming anxiety, depression, suicidal ideations, and panic attacks into a platform that's provided the practical tools to help his clients improve their own mental health without feeling pathologized. Some of the tools he discusses are breathwork, gratitude meditation, how to form new neuropathways to supersede negative thought patterns, and encouragement to actually feel your feelings to get real with the depth of what's going on inside. Kieran is working hard to break down stereotypical walls of toxic masculine taboos that restrict and prevent men access to their ability to heal themselves. We get deep about the difficulties men face that cause trickle downs of toxic behaviors and how to heal them. He's got a big heart you can hear straight through the audio. Please welcome Karen to the show. Hey, Karen. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Spiritual Shit. Welcome uh, to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, today I'm really excited because we're talking about male emotions, suppression mm. of emotion, the mask that men have to wear, and the difficulty that they have in uh, developing their own spirituality because of the stigmas and societal suppression of mm. male emotions. So uh, first things first, let's uh, talk a little bit about you. What is it that you do? And uh, where are you from? <laughs> yeah, where I'm from is Kiwiland. Right? Some people call me a Kiwi. Actually, when I lived in San Diego, uh, I actually lived with this, he was like the fifth generation of a construction company, I won't say it, but um, <laughs> he had a very deep masculine voice because he was very masculine. And I'll, I'll actually speak a bit about this later on, yeah. but uh, he'd always say, um, say it in this deep voice, he'd be like, hey, Kiwi, <laughs> come here. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> <I'll come." laughs> uh, um, So yeah, people call New Zealanders Kiwis, uh, not the Kiwi fruit, and <laughs> From New Zealand, grew up in such a safe and beautiful country, honestly. But uh, actually, uh, I should mention that between the ages of 17 and 24, um, males in that age in New Zealand have some of the highest suicide rates in the world, Mm. uh, which is crazy because you think, wow, New Zealand's such a kind, uh, peaceful place. Uh, Even the people are very kind and welcoming if you're not in Auckland, in the main Mm -hmm. city. (laughs) Um, But uh, people are generally really kind and welcoming and hospitable and in such a place i i grew up around this uh sort of energy where everyone is required what it feels like anyway Mm -hmm. to always be happy and Mm -hmm. always be strong especially because new zealand has such a strong rugby culture there's this real strong masculine uh vibe to it which is what i felt inclined to step into Mm -hmm. so 
I grew up in a situation where I was saturated with love by my mother, um, all the hugs, all the all the words, I love you. <laughs> like, oh, enough, enough. I don't want to hold your hand. I don't want to. I don't want to be in your arms right now. I, mean, I need to look cool, you know, in front of all the kids. Uh, so there was that. Then on my dad's side, he loves me so much, and he, of course, loved me growing up as well. But growing up, there was always this fear of, uh, can I hug him? Can I say the words, I love you? And from my memory, anyway, from what I know is. I didn't receive those words from him. I didn't get the hugs from him as, as the same way as I did from my mother. So I always felt like I needed to step into this strong uh, so-called masculine role of not feeling low, not feeling weak, and not having any sort of vulnerabilities. Being able to cover those up and suppress those was the means to masculinity, the means to be respected. Uh, I always felt that if I was to be respected, I needed to be this strong jock-like person who was really good at rugby, uh, who was really good with the ladies, uh, and who would get good grades. Just all these expectations kept coming in. Uh, so I would constantly thought that, okay, in order for me to be enough, in order for me to uh, find someone, because I was constantly very lonely, uh, I needed to be a certain way. And... Growing up, I struggled a lot with loneliness, uh, extreme anxiety and depression. Uh, some stages, I'd even question, would anyone even care if I just disappeared? Would anyone care if I wasn't here anymore? Uh, that's how honestly useless I felt. And I wouldn't talk to my parents about this because I didn't feel like I could. Uh, even though I knew they'd receive it so much with love. I, somewhere I knew that, but I just couldn't feel it. I just mm -hmm. couldn't feel like I was. I could. So... I suppressed it and all this sadness, all this loneliness was suppressed, uh, leading to a place where on the surface, I felt like I had to show up as what I identified with myself as the positive guy, as the nice guy, as the confident guy, because I'd go and talk to a whole lot of people and push myself to do that. But I could never talk to a girl who I even thought was even a little bit pretty. <laughs> even if they came and talked to me, I'd, um, I actually accumulated a really big stutter um, mm. in about middle school. And, and I'd start talking talking like, like, this, like this, trying to speak what I was trying to speak, and I'd get caught up. And Yeah, yeah. so I'd, I'd go like that. It was crazy thinking back, thinking that was even me. And I even thought I'd, I was probably the shyest kid in class if I looked based off my perception anyway, so I'm not actually too sure, but that's how I felt. Mm -hmm. now coming into all of this i'd feel this constant overwhelming sensation of unworthiness because i felt in order to be respected and loved and enough i had to be the positive guy i had to be the nice guy i had to be that masculine figure and because i felt lonely i felt anxious i felt sad i felt weak those feelings contradicted what i thought i needed to be so i actually in a way infected those experiences to a point where I actually made them worse than the mm. wounds that they were already. And the sadness became depression, that fear and that stress became anxiety. Uh, the loneliness became just massive overwhelm and numbness and not wanting to uh, even be here at some stages. I never would have taken action in the state that I was, but I do wonder that if I had progressed in the way that I was without, um, being open to receiving help which i'll talk about a little bit later mm -hmm. uh 
if I hadn't been open to receiving help, then I don't know if I'd still be here or not, honestly. But to bring it in a full circle and the reason why I do what I do now, which I'll also talk about, is it was the experiences of being introduced tools and techniques that were sustainably uh, utilized over time so that I could start to look within. Because in the past, it was I was being told, this is why you feel this way. Uh this is what it's called when you feel this way. So mm-hmm. I was given titles. I was given. It was cool. Uh, co- oh, sorry, called. Like cool, see, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, my accent is incredible. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely struggled with this in America when I was there. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's not you. Trust me. Uh, so because I was labeled anxiety, I was labeled depression. I got into this stuck mentality that I thought this is the way I have to live. Mm. and I have to figure out a way to live with it rather than to heal it. The mask. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. And I thought that healing it wasn't possible. I just thought that I had to be the best that I could with it, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I'd go through this idea of rather than addressing the issue, what I'd do is I'd instead, I'd go through the symptom and I'd react to the symptom and make it even worse um, or I'd try constantly cover the symptom up in some sort of way whether it was medicating it, um, covering it up, um, whether it was with pornography, um, trying to chase women, uh, whether it was with food, I had massive binging issues, um, whatever it was with, there was definitely various vices that I turned to at the time, but uh, over the sort of length of trying to learn more about the sadness that I experienced uh, from starting with counselors and psychologists, and it was beautiful, they were helping me understand what was going on, but I never shifted anything internally. It was only after I started to step deeper into the whole neurology, the mindfulness, uh, the spiritual side of things that I really delved deep within mm-hmm. uh, through meditative means. And this allowed me to start to actually make that connection, understand what the emotions meant, and also feel a little bit more safe within those emotions. Mm-hmm. Because in the past, when I felt those emotions, I felt I wasn't safe. Yeah. And those emotions, I felt I wasn't enough. So I just amplified what was already there and made it worse in a toxic way. So now it's more when that emotion comes, I allow myself to experience it in a very, what I feel is more safe than I've ever been in my life um, within myself. So that's definitely a real big shift within myself. So what I do now is I'm an anxiety coach and I take people from that same place that I was in to a place of feeling safe, of feeling and experiencing peace. Mm-hmm. I remember one day sitting in my lounge at that stage, looking to the corner of the room and thinking two things. One was all I want to do is be, to be able to feel like a normal human and to feel peace. And the second was uh, I wouldn't even wish my worst enemy to feel this way. It was mm. the suffering was um, incredible and a not so incredible way. <laughs> yeah. And so having those thoughts and also having uh, one of my friends actually take his life because of anxiety. These all came together in the, um, and motivated me to step into the role where I got to start to help others and coach others through sort of a blueprint structure, the same way as a personal trainer might with a gym, uh, with clients at a gym, and take them through what they need first to get them to a level where they can start to work on themselves and then give them the tools and the techniques that they can take and apply to their life uh, so that they can start to acquire more peace, so that they can start to experience more joy something that I know was very foreign to me. I could, I could not feel joy. I didn't even 
know what joy is and I'll question myself out of joy. So I'd climb up to joy, something would trigger it somehow uh, or the, something happened to go my way, you know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe only 1% of the things would go my way. So that 1% of things when they went my way, they're like, yeah, this is awesome. Life is cool. <laughs> and then a few seconds later, I'd question why I'm joyful or I'll think that this doesn't feel right or this feels odd because I don't normally feel joyful. So I'll bring myself back to sadness, back to loneliness very quickly. Wow. Yeah. So you got your, your brain got used to being in a certain kind of way Massively. and like that wiring got used to, so it was foreign to you to feel happy. Oh yeah, totally. It's very foreign. So it felt uncomfortable even. Yeah. And I actually came to a point where I'd almost crave loneliness. I actually mm. enjoyed it. I'd sit on my bed. I'd um, eat a whole lot of food. I'd watch, binge watch my anime. I love anime still. I love it. <laughs> and then I'd, I might watch pornography or yeah. something. And this was sort of my way up. Mm-hmm. And then I'd wake up the next morning, feel like absolute crap and go through it all again. Um, like massaging the wound, but via escapism. Yeah. Yeah. Really. And that was, that's a perfect way to put it, honestly. Um, so like, there, there tend to be, at least from my perspective as a woman, there tend to be a lot of stigmas around uh, mental health for men in a society that like a- very actively suppresses your emotionality. Um, you told me a story about you opening up to one of your friends. Do you want to tell me tell them about that before I go to the next question? Yes, of course. Um, so before I talk about my friend, I just want to talk briefly about what it was like with my father and being completely honest with him. It was beautiful because over this time when I was going through that darkness, um, when I was thinking all I want to do is be able to feel normal, wouldn't wish my worst enemy to feel this way. I was actually starting to call my dad and actually have conversations with him. And I started to talk about how I felt. I started to talk about a lot more about things that I worried about, things that came up uh, within myself. And it was just such a beautiful beautiful opening between the two of us but in the past it was not like that at all there's no way i'd ever tell my dad i'm worried i'm stressed i'm sad um just good yeah kieran how was your day good <laughs> how do you feel good yeah. <laughs> um so that's what it was, it was like, oh yeah I, was, uh, I didn't feel too good today um maybe i was a bit stressed about this of course that would have been a much healthier way to go about it but i in my mind, thought that that would lead to more unworthiness. Mm. Um, and Say less... that again. Mm. Your expression or admitting your weakness mm. would lead to more unworthiness. Literally. Right? Wow. Mm. And that's how I felt. And that, that was just this, that's just the way it was for yeah. me. It was like this fixed law that if I expressed myself, that would make me more unworthy. Mm. If I expressed myself, I'd be more unworthy of love. Mm. Uh, so... Also, I'd go through this phase of sort of looking at um, the people that did have girlfriends and sort of seeing the way they acted, acting as the cool kids. Or um, I was uh, <laughs> like, I'd we'll be walking through school and sometimes I'd get people saying, Kieran's gay or like, <laughs> or, um, or I'd just sort of hear people that uh, just, just verbal bullying, nothing actually physical. So I was, um, I know there's definitely a lot worse out there, um, but because of this experience, I'd constantly see this idea that I wanted to be the nice guy because that's the way I was accepted, but I'd always see the mean people as the ones that got love. Mm. And so there's this constant confusion. I felt lost. And so there was all this going on. Now, when it came to finally being in a place where I could actually express the way I felt and understanding that um, the expression actually uh, stopped the suppression mm. <laughs> because that's uh, at the end of the day, um, 
whatever I said. The expression stop the suppression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> stop the suppression. And uh, what it allowed me to do was step into the truth of it. And it gave me, it made me feel empowered over that truth. Uh, because in the past, I felt like what the truth was because I wasn't willing to admit to it fully, it had power over me. Mm-hmm. And when I finally acknowledged it fully and accepted it fully and was able to vocalize it and express it, and especially when it came to like Instagram, my family, my friends, uh, when I finally actually would talk on this, it made me feel like I had created the ultimate space between me and that emotional experience, between me and that mental suffering. Uh, and I felt more powerful. Mm-hmm. So that feeling of power gave me that ability to wants to actually start these conversations with my friends who I knew struggled. And I remember when I was back in New Zealand, uh, more recently, I sat down with one of my friends and I started talking about how I felt. And this is going back to your question. And I was like, oh yeah, I mean, you know, I'll go through these stressful times uh, when I was in Bali and think these things would come up and I'd start to talk a little bit about relationships. And um, instantly I was like, ah, I don't want to talk about this stuff your buddy yeah my mm-hmm. friend yeah um because i knew that he was going through a bit of a tough time so i wanted to like, give him a little bit of space um but at the same time i also uh just assumed since i'd been away for 18 months that uh, maybe things might have shifted from our past relationship in the past i'd always had relationships with my friends that you'd never talk feelings mm-hmm. um you'd talk experiences uh, you talk relationships here and there but there was never the weakness that would come through there was never the true struggle that came vulnerability exactly true vulnerability there was never the authentic vulnerability there it was only this sort of surface level of yeah i mean i've got this issue but i'll be okay yeah yeah she'll be right sort of thing yeah Yeah, and that's a common expression in australia and new zealand is she'll be right Mm -hmm. and that causes too many issues because sometimes it won't be (laughs) um now that made me feel a little bit Uh, a little bit confused at at that point in that moment it triggered me because i was thinking oh i thought that being able to express yourself was um a a form of ultimate acceptance and now Mm -hmm. here's the acceptance being thrown right back at me rejection exactly so that made me feel a bit confused but then uh, being able to remember um the fact that um when i was in that habit when i was in that cycle uh it led to so much sadness so there was no way i was going back to that at all uh but just that one encounter was a very big eye-opener for me because it made it helped me understand that a lot of issues really come around that inability to express and that inability to feel okay about the not okayness yeah so that was definitely a big wake up for me since especially living in bali a lot of people come here to find themselves and i've spent 10 months here now um, eight months before i went back home and seeing that uh there are so many people the majority of the people don't actually want to get to know themselves they just want to avoid themselves so they're actually doing the opposite of what um i think is almost the thing that everyone kind of should be doing is trying to get to know yourself a bit more but instead uh what they would do is um, they would say, oh, yeah, I'm not feeling good today. Let's go get drunk. Mm. Uh, you know, no. uh, Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Or let's go get high or whatever. So um, that was definitely a real big wake up for me. 
I had a guy tell me one time, um, we were talking about doing readings or something like that. And he's like, I do not want to get to know myself. Like, I do not want to look inward. And I, to, yeah. to hear that out loud, my, my first reaction was shock. Mm. And I was like, what the hell? Like, you know, yeah, totally. just because it's such a foreign idea to me. And then to, to look, no judgment to the person at all, but mm. like, they're just where they're at in their journey. Totally. But I was in, in a way, it made me a bit sad mm. because I was like, what? You, someone who does not want to explore the facets and the idiosyncrasies and the beauty of the vulnerability that you have inside of you, one that who doesn't want to do that can't know themselves. So you can't, you can't love yourself. That's for damn sure. Mm. I mean, I guess you can't hate yourself either because you don't know yourself, but like (laughs) you, you really, you you miss out on the relationships that you can develop with other people because typically the people we bring into our life are our reflections of yeah. what it is that we have for ourselves. So we tend to often be triggered by people who um, express something inside of us that, that we are trying to stole yeah. away. You know what I mean? Totally. So if, if you were that person and I came to you with my vulnerability yeah. and my femininity and I was like, oh, okay, you know, we're going to express our feelings. You'd be like, <laughs> yeah, Screech, right. <laughs> hold the phone. Like we are not talking about this, you know? Yeah. So in that case with your buddy, like you being a representation or reflection of an aspect of himself that he was not willing to look at. Mm. And so that wasn't nearly a rejection of you uh, more as it was rejection of himself. Mm. And so I find that like for, as a woman, like we have, you know, there's tons of shit that women have to deal with in our current society that are terrible and trauma and, it's like it's pretty pretty awful it's pretty great to be a white guy like yourself (laughs) oh yeah however i i absolutely see the advantage in being a woman is that we have these built-in like outlet with our Mm. girlfriends of being able to express ourselves in like therapy sessions you know so like we can sit down and just and people they men sometimes say like oh they're complaining and this and that are like no we're having a therapy like we're expressing ourselves we're letting it out of our body and then we're fine Mm. so we don't have the same that that pushing of down being vulnerable is okay for us and Mm. so on a emotional level i I believe that we get a chance and opportunity to be able to grow and evolve a lot faster because we're having to look in we're we're we're, it's accepted for us to look inward Mm. you know it's acceptable for us to hug our girlfriends and like you know physical touch and things like that that are not as accepted in male um environments and so like with anxiety and like all that kind of stuff like first i would love for you to describe to me your definition of what masculinity is and the difference between real authentic masculinity and toxic masculinity Mm. so the way i see masculinity now is one word just stands out as vulnerability if i can step into ultimate vulnerability that's me being uh the highest level of masculine i can be Mm. um strong yeah absolutely i mean it takes someone that's strong within themselves someone that's uh safe within themselves someone that has developed a lot of self-trust to be able to actually uh step into complete vulnerability Uh, and that to me anyway is um what i define as um the ultimate form of masculinity and an authentic form of masculinity the way i would see it in the past of course would be uh just your the typical jock rugby player um Machismo. yeah manly guy yeah um drinking beer uh, <laughs> you know what i mean and uh and just knew how to talk to a woman that sort of thing so this was my idea of masculinity before and that's the crazy thing is it's literally shifted not only has the idea shifted 
but also the entire uh, theme of it's shifted completely from uh, being an outward thing to a completely inward thing. Mm. Um, so understanding masculinity is not just an idea, it's also an, a full-on energy and an embodiment. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely shifted a lot. So, like, what is there? Is there space? Like, right now, as you're seeing the shift or what's happening in the world right now, because we'll get to the spiritual aspect of that in a little bit, mm. but, like, where can men find the space to be able to be vulnerable? If you have a group of dude friends who are, you know, in that toxic aspect of it, you know, it's like about getting girls and doing this or whatever. And like, okay, are like, because, and I can speak to, I know a lot of women listen to the show. Mm. And for those of us who are single, who are dating a lot, what we encounter is that toxic masculinity mm. of us being just another person that's being thrown away as a mark or a number or like something like totally. that to amass this toxic ego that we say and i hear a lot of women in there speak about like men are trash and men are this and men are mm. that and like and i've adopted that idea at some point as well mm. not anymore but like i recognize where the wounds are coming from for both from both sides um but but we like in that aspect we're seeing this this where we're, this part is getting the most attention the trash is getting the most attention mm. so like for yourself you said you know like growing up or whatever the cool guy who was the one who played rugby and drank beer yeah. and got with a lot of girls yeah. and could talk a certain way and didn't care about anybody's feelings yeah and that was what got the most attention so right now as they're shifting like you found space mm. to be able to kind of look inwardly because your life depended on it mm. like is there space for other men to be able to find that and like do you feel like there's enough men also willing to do that work? Mm. And that's definitely something that's got to be on them completely. I mean, if they don't have a reason strong enough to push past the pain, if the pain is, um, is overwhelming the reason, uh, then naturally they're not going to do the work. And that's how I felt anyway, is my pain overwhelmed my reason. My pain overwhelmed my willingness to change my pain overwhelmed the benefits that I thought I would get from the change. So, uh, it's just, yeah, it was scary, but it was finally at this one point where my mum came to me, uh, she noticed that I was afraid, scared, um, sad. And she said to me, you know, um, dad goes to see someone to talk about work and some stress and stuff. Um, why don't you go? Um, and that sort of sat with me for a while. And then eventually I came to the conclusion that I should, uh, so I did. Uh, of course, I was counseling. I didn't know what it was at the time. She didn't say those words. Uh, but she got me into it, which mm -hmm. is good. And that, that was actually what gave me the platform to stand on so I was no longer sinking. Um, so I finally was no longer regressing. And it was actually having that space to speak, having that space to step into um, complete acceptance and acknowledgement of what was going on within because there were things that I was avoiding. So it was that, that subtle shift that was a platform that I could stand on where I could walk. In the past, it was just being in quicksand and um, I'll constantly try to find others to sync with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, misery loves yeah, company. Absolutely. So that's the way I felt. Now, it was only once I got the platform could I walk. So in the past, it was more about me wanting to walk straight away. But the more I tried to struggle in the quicksand, the quicker I'd sink. So no matter what tool I'd get, no matter what um, idea or perspective that I'd try to obtain, it was until I fully actually acknowledged and accepted what was going on within myself could actually shift it um, and that's what i say i'll call the platform to walk on because um, without the platform without the acceptance and acknowledgement i can't do anything um, so a lot of people are missing that part i feel um, that i speak to anyway i speak to a lot of people who 
uh, talking about how they're doing all these self-love practices and um, all this um, all this positive affirmation work and all that sort of thing. You know, it's great, it's awesome, but they come to me and they are saying that they're doing all this, yet they're still having panic attacks, they're still mm. feeling anxious, they're still feeling lonely and all this stuff's going on and they haven't figured out why. And it's very quick for me to notice that they haven't yet fully acknowledged and accepted the other side to them because they're so identified with the positive side. Uh, so that was definitely something that um, I noticed first off. So coming into the masculine side of things, um, coming back to the identities that I was talking about, um, feeling like I needed to identify in a certain way, one of those was shown through how uh, how alpha I was. Mm. So to be alpha, I had to not only be strong um, and be powerful in the gym, so that's why when I go to the gym, I constantly judge others who are stronger than me, bigger than me, more ripped than me. So I judge them because I was insecure about that. I did that. Now, I also chased women like no tomorrow. Um, I, ch- I, I, I thought that in order for me to be in a place where I could maybe talk to a girl, because I was still very shy even in university, and I would have to get absolutely hammered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to be hammered. Um, otherwise, there's no freaking way I'm talking to anyone. Uh, no. <laughs> um, so I'd get my awesome dance moves on. Honestly, you should have seen me. I slayed that dance floor. I'm kidding. No, <laughs> terrible dance moves. Horrible. Uh, so I'm actually, like, I love guys who can't dance, who, like, are, like, just full on out. Like, oh, that was me. That was me. Um, so... What I would do is I'd go through this process of constantly needing to step into ego, thinking that, oh, yeah, it's good if I've got an ego because it means I'm strong, it means I'm powerful. So that was what was going through my head. And as I'd go through the process of starting to learn what, what it, um, how to pick up girls, because this is something that, honestly, I got obsessed with. Mm-hmm. I literally thought that this was the way to uh, being enough. I literally thought that this is a way to me finding some sense of confidence, some sense mm. of joy and acceptance within myself. So I chased this because I felt so lonely. It's compensatory. Oh, massively. And because I still felt lonely in relationships, I thought, oh, well, what if I'm on my own? And I find that, well, I didn't think of this at the time, but I know that this was going through my subconscious, but what if I uh, step into being on my own and instead... Um, surround myself with other females instead Mm. so I have uh, more people to make me feel less lonely and Mm -hmm. so this was a very toxic masculinity uh, trait that I had and at the point in time and I was um, when I was in San Diego at that point in time I was living with this guy called we Kiwi like this (laughs) and uh, and he um, he was like so Kiwi we're going out tonight okay it's uh, (laughs) yeah it's like Thursday Thursday or he'll just make up some random (laughs) thing yeah he'll be like um, so it just, uh, anyway, um, this is a, definitely a crazy three months of my life. And it just got to a point where I was honestly, I was just sleeping a lot around all the time. And by the time this phase ended, I woke, I woke up to this idea of how lonely I was. I was more lonely afterwards than I was before. Mm. I was more anxious at the end than I was before. Mm-hmm. And I was more afraid. Um, I thought that this was going to lead to, um, confidence which it did in a way i was able to talk to more people and a lot easier not just women um i was in a place where i felt a little bit stronger within myself uh, in an external means but as soon as i looked back within when i closed my eyes because i'd been meditating for a while but i was definitely avoiding a lot of things mm-hmm. uh 
as soon as I gave myself the opportunity to be alone and look within, there was a massive fear. So I might have seemed more capable on the outside now um, at that point, but mm. I was definitely a lot less capable within. Mm. So I was just really infecting the wound that was already infected um, even further. I was just rubbing dirt on it, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway, basically that's definitely something that I saw in a lot of people um, and a lot of friends that I had made at that point in time um, was definitely this sort of lust and, ch- and like need for money and woman to not just be enough, but also to cover up what they th- like they thought and I thought would cloud and take away the loneliness. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think that there is there was some... Because I would imagine, like, after behaving like that for a certain way, you start to feel more lonely and more lonely, more anxious, and it feeds essentially like an addiction, right? Um, do you think shame pay, played a large role in that? And and if so, like, how do you think shame affects men's health, like health and wellness, like mm, mental health? Totally. Um, so I definitely did feel shame because even, even during that process, because I'd still identified with a nice guy and I'd also growing up um, wanting to step into uh, more uh, morals and ethics and all that sort of thing. So this process of going in and sleeping with um, women and just not really acknowledging them the way that I definitely should have. And even though in my mind, I convinced myself somehow that I was being, I was still being kind or still being um, authentic, which in a way I was, I was, I was clear, but it was just, it was still the what the reason that I was going into it just, wasn't right and uh it definitely did lead into a lot of pain and uh and uh the female that i'd be with um in certain situations uh so it's almost like projecting you're projecting your your worth into something into someone else instead of looking inward as much would you agree or like oh absolutely i was just looking for someone to fill my cup um yeah damn (laughs) yeah yeah that's yeah, okay. I could yeah. have said that better. Yeah, looking for someone to fill your cup. Honestly, that's so just who I was. That running, mm. um, would would you say it came from a place like you you were already running away from yourself, yeah. right? And so you're looking for someone to fill your cup, and you not being able to look inward and the anxiety and stuff and the depression and things that you were dealing with because that you didn't have a safe place and platform to stand on mm. to be able to really embrace what was happening to you emotionally mm. so you you had to find something to like yeah. to hold on to essentially if you were sinking right because i was missing that sort of middle part of acceptance um like for example meditation for me i'd listen I'd, how did you find meditation headspace so the funny thing Dude, is, i swear to god yeah, like every guy is like yeah i found it through headspace and like yeah. because it's it comes through the scientific logical packaging mm. it's like Oh, well, I'll give that a try. Yeah. You know what? I think God. Okay. Yeah, totally. So it's, it's nice because it definitely was a great introduction. But the problem was as soon as I stepped into, oh, I know how to meditate, mm. I stopped looking at it. So I'll still do it, but mm. I wouldn't look how to further my meditation practice. And that was an issue because now meditation was based purely around following my breath, doing a body scan, um, and sometimes a little bit of visualization, but not no actually tapping into my emotion, mm. no actually tapping into my thought processes. Mm-hmm. There was no actual focus on how can I shift what's going on here. So did it become then another numbing tool? Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. Wow. Because um, now meditation, um, at this point in time, meditation wasn't a process of looking uh, fully within, mm-hmm. but it was a process of uh, slowing down my breathing, just simply relaxing my mind and my body and taking my mind off 
what was the issue. Okay. Uh, so that was really... That's uh, a very important mm. connection to make because I, I, I hadn't even thought of that. Mm. Like, So yeah, medita- yeah, meditation definitely wasn't the spiritual practice that it is today for me. So when it came to uh, the shift in that, it was actually only coming to the place where I finally realized um, after finally getting to that point where I realized it wasn't working for me that I finally started to reach out more to uh, certain people. I came across one lady, she's called the holistic psychologist on Instagram. Yeah, I've seen that. Oh, okay. And um, I was lucky to come across her before she sort of blew up into the um, amazing person that she is today on Instagram. And uh, I managed to get in a session with her. And at that point in time, it was just what I needed. Mm -hmm. She she gave me a lot, a much deeper understanding of what it meant to look within. She gave me um, some good explanations for my logical mind at that point in time as to why it would benefit me to actually start to um, utilize different tools other than just following my breath, mm-hmm. um, which I was doing for a while. So that was definitely a big shift for me was actually hearing that that was um, that there was more to mindfulness than mm-hmm. just following the breath and doing a few visualizations because that's where I got stuck. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was coming from the place of I know to, the, to actually seeing that more growth is found in the I don't know. So mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the shadow part of yourself. Yeah. Like looking into the shadow part of yourself. Yeah. How can, well, at least like, I mean, if there are men listening, God bless you guys. <laughs> um, what can they be doing or what, like, do you, what advice do you have for them to be able to get accessible, uh, accessible help? Cause mm. I think like, I, I have two guy friends I can think of off the top of my head that I have basically begged and said, Hey, you have to go to therapy. Mm. Like you, like, without trying to push and, you know, like, I know what's best for you or anything like that. Mm. But like giving them space and saying, Hey, cause essentially I was their free therapist for a little while, but giving them space and saying, okay, like, I think you need this. And then finally getting the courage to be able to do it because of the stigma that lies around it. I'm not enough. I'm not strong enough. Like if I admit to that, I have these vulnerabilities or whatever, then I'm going to be the weak man when totally. in reality, it's actually strength yeah. or strong. And what if my friends find out I go to therapy? Exactly. Yeah. And I think I'm crazy mm. and I have problems and like, I'm not a man, so I can't speak to that. So I would love to hear your perspective. Like where, I mean, obviously your, like you said, your pain is what had, it was at such a great level that it pushed you had to go. Mm. But for men who are not there yet and who are not like, we don't want people to have to get to the almost to suicide totally. to finally decide to seek help. Mm. Where can we be, not we, but like as far as men go, um, giving them more space to feel comfortable and in, in doing that and opening that up. So then we're going to our next thing about spirituality and being able to open that part of themselves as well. Mm. Cool. Good question. Great question because I wish I knew this much earlier uh so the first thing is when i was in that process um actually no i want to actually come to a guy that actually messaged me so in in the last month literally in the last four or five weeks i've had about seven or eight people reach out to me who were had, had either attempted or um who had, who were thinking about taking their own life um and one of these guys he literally just um i got a message from him when i was at the gym and i looked down and he's like hey bro i just tried to hang myself last night my friend found me and mm-hmm. saved me and um i was the only person he told uh so there i and this happened quite actually a few times over the last five weeks so quite a few people messaged me and i was the only person they told mm-hmm. um 
like that they were maybe thinking about it and this is a issue because what i initially tried to do was um i found a therapist who actually was specialized in helping people with that specific issue but um what happened was they weren't willing to go to this person because uh they didn't feel like they were worried about being judged by the therapist Mm -hmm. um so they only messaged me simply because i would put out my issues and they related to those issues therefore they felt that I would understand them. Mm-hmm. So they felt understood when they messaged me. And so one guy in particular, he actually told me how he did go to therapy. But what happened is they wanted to send him to some sort of um, um, institute, institute or something like that or um, basically to um, make sure they didn't take his own life. So they were wanting mm-hmm. to sort of um, hold him down really right. uh, as if he was some crazy himself yeah, yeah totally crazy or maniac um that's policy yeah so now he was fearful to go to therapy because of that mm. uh so he refused it and that was why he got to the point where he actually attempted so that's i think that's a big issue and mm. i think that's something that needs to be addressed because it makes people scared to go to therapy um right yeah because the existing system as it stands mm. It pathologizes your your illness, and there's no there's there's certain like structures in place. Actually, we have an episode, uh, psychology versus spirituality, or both, mm. and we talk about that that issue. A woman who uh, she went to get her master's. She's got a master's in psychology to mm. um, do the practice, and she felt like she could not like she couldn't hug client if she needed to, and she had to become very cold and removed. Mm. And so the way the structure exists as it is um, doesn't it's not flexible enough for mm. what people need today. Totally. So yeah. it needs to be updated. Oh, massively, yeah. So something that um, actually gave him uh, the opportunity to shift was simply to talk to another guy who he could relate with. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've had girls in the past where I've been had the opportunity to speak to, but it was only when I started to speak to, for example, my father, because I finally stepped into the role to open up. I was finally able to speak to um, other men, and also I was finally able to fi- like willingly and intently look at, intentionally, sorry, find other men such as i don't know if you've heard of the writer young pueblo um so he's yeah oh, okay cool yeah so i love his work and I, I resonated a lot with the stuff that he was right that was putting out at that point in time and that gave me that sense of affirmation that what i was going through was okay mm-hmm. um and that again was that platform that i got to stand on so it was finding that platform that's the most essential part and initially because it gave me the opportunity to not just acknowledge but fully accept the things that were going within so that i could finally do something about it i mean at the end of the day it was not until i could accept that i could change um because mm. i can't change what i didn't accept so what i finally um yeah what i definitely recommend to other men is um please actually start to understand that if there's no um if it's not said it's not known um mm-hmm. i was constantly in that place where i just thought people were i'd just help would just come i just mm-hmm. thought help would come something will come save me i just had this hope 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 and hope was dangerous for me mm-hmm. it wasn't good for me hope mm-hmm. was dangerous because i'd constantly get my hope crushed and they'll make me feel even worse because i'd hope that someone would come no one did mm-hmm. i'd hope that this relationship will heal me but it didn't i'd hope that this girl would come talk to me because i loved her um, but i couldn't talk to her but she didn't so all this hope starts to decided to happen and i thought that's what kept me afloat but it was actually what um pushed me further down wow. so yeah it was um that was dangerous so when i finally realized okay screw hope um i mean that <laughs> sounds bad but at that point in time that's what i needed it was yeah. to be like screw hope i actually need to do something um rather than just hoping for it 
So you needed to get into your masculine energetic and do. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was just constantly just stepping back and hoping for things to happen. Um, so when I finally actually took that action of being like, okay, I actually need to speak it. I actually need to say it. I need to um, acknowledge it that I could finally do something about it. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't hope that you can't, you can heal because absolutely anyone can heal. If you've got, if you're a human being and you've got a brain, you can heal. (laughs) You can can do it. Um, It's possible, but start with not the extreme meditation technique that you get told. Don't start with the um, most spiritual thing you can think of. Start just with a little step of just speaking to someone first. Mm. Um, That would be my recommendation. Um, That's what helped me because I was definitely not in a place where um, anything spiritual would have meant anything to me at that point in time. Um, And I was definitely not at a point where um, any sense of stepping into a deep meditation uh, would have been possible for me at that point. I think that's really important to note because um, at least a lot of the men that I talk to you know, spirituality is really hard for them mm. and not everybody, obviously, but like it, it, it is, it seems to be more conceptual than mm. it is actually practical for mm. them to get into. And so the way that, I mean, I can't speak for, for everyone, but as a woman, like spirituality was very, very easy for me to get into because well, one, I already have these like weird ass ghosts that are coming to me. So that's, that's one thing, but yeah. like, um, there was already community and areas where women were able to speak about what was happening to them even energetically without on a conscious level talking about spirituality. Does that make sense? Like, but whereas men don't bond in that way, at least like societally, it's not like that. Maybe it'll get like that at some point where you feel comfortable being like, bruh, like this is what's happened to me. My heart is broken. Like this and that. You can talk about those things openly. And I hope that we get there soon. But like men are also physiologically differently. The way that your brains are wired. Like um, I'm no neuro scientists or anything but um they say that men are like boxes and women are like spaghetti mm. and the way that our brains work um the mirror neuron uh, sensor is the way spaghetti. that they i, like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can eat that one <laughs> um you know all of our wiring is is connected so for us especially in our emotional systems we're like a weather system you know like go up down and then whatever and that's the beauty of it because we can connect dots really fast like because everything is just kind of tied together and you know for men they say that it's compartmentalized you open the box take the thing out and put it out here yeah. and then you close the box and then Literally you go to like the next that. box yeah um and so in that in that type of analogy the way that men would bond then is differently too um because you got to open up your sports box and then close that box and then yeah. open up okay we're gonna talk about our feelings get ready okay let's open the box where we mean where women can go interchangeably between all of them and they're all kind of interconnected um like so when so for yourself like you're here in bali which is like spiritual mecca everybody's into weird shit yeah. which is perfect for mm. me right now for this podcast mm. um do you have any do you have any advice for, for men who are on a spiritual path searching for for something like that? Like they want to know themselves deeper. They want to open up more channels for source to speak to them, for them to be able to heal, for them to connect to other people and have community mm-hmm. um, where they can find their higher purpose. Because I feel like it's really difficult to find your higher purpose if you can't even talk about your feelings. Mm-hmm. And if you have all these wounds that are all festering and infected and you're, you're, you know, like um, your vibration is super low with like porn and alcohol and like all the other things absolutely. that you're stuffing down, there's no, no room for spirituality in the first place. No, absolutely not. So, if they're still in the quicksand, spirituality is not going to lift them up. <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, they, yeah, like I said before, they first need to stand on the platform. So um, when that platform um, is finally there, it's just 
and that platform can rep- can be the representation of counseling. It can mm-hmm. be therapy. It can be that friend that um, you know talks about his feelings, but he's weird, so you don't really hang around with him. But he talks about his feelings, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, uh, and I definitely had one of those friends, and he's one, one of the people that I love the most today. Honestly, he's incredible. Um, and I, ne- I personally never thought he was weird, but I thought that other people thought he was weird, so I wouldn't actually hang around him as much. Yeah. So that's what I'll do. And he turned out to be actually the guy that ended up being one of my biggest cheerleaders, honestly, mm-hmm. for a long time. So it was real cool. Um, and still is. So there's that. But then there's also people online as well. They're actually real people, a lot of them. <laughs> uh, there's some, some people that I don't know if they're real or not. I still but. need to validate that. Um, but there's definitely people out there willing to express themselves um, at least as fully as they feel capable of at that point in time, like myself um, and other. I've got many other friends who uh, absolutely would um, be honored for anyone to message me or them at any point um, if they're struggling if they're suicidal like i said i've had people reach out to me who are genuinely suicidal um, and i'm honored that they've chosen to message me um, Mm -hmm. in that current state Um, don't think that you're being a burden in that case because it gives me the opportunity to help someone that and that was literally what i decided was i want to be in a position where i can help people with the struggle Mm -hmm. so you're not burdening me because that's what I would think. I would think I'm burdening this person if I'm speaking about it, especially as that masculine um, mm-hmm. concept that I created in my mind. I felt like any talk of feelings, any point, talk of negativity, any talk of struggle, heartbreak, sadness, loneliness was a burden. So I could not do that. So just understand, first of all, that that does not make you a burden and you're definitely absolutely not being a burden to uh, anyone the only way you can be a burden to anyone is if you suppress it honestly because um, mm-hmm. suppressing it um, leads to the externalization of that pain uh, and that ends up causing more pain externally than it does if uh, the expression is created and then that platform is there to stand on because then finally if I can learn to be a joyful soul I can be, learn to be a joyful person then I can spread that joy around me in an authentic way not in a way where I've got a half-filled cup and I'm constantly trying to fill it with someone, mm-hmm. someone else or something else um that's when i'm always coming from a place of need lust um jealousy anxiety so yeah um can we talk about sex yeah please um as far as like i know i know like and i'm curious like how can women also support men in this opening up of their uh emotionality and things like that um i know that a lot of people especially spirituality because when i think about high vibration versus low vibration Mm. we talk about porn Mm. and how porn um i got a friend who talks about how he does um no fapping like no masturbation oh yeah yeah. retention yeah he talks about like um life uh keeping your life vitality or like your life force within you or whatever Mm. um but how essentially the idea you know of porn and what it does to you mentally what how it makes you view women how it makes you view yourself um the the consistent need to feed like just a a sensation versus um intimacy real Mm. intimacy and what it does and how it rewires your brain um on a spiritual level i know that vibrationally like i stopped i stopped drinking alcohol i stopped eating meat like there's other things that have changed the way my vibration feels and how quickly i'm able to heal without that Mm. but i know that women don't have the same struggles with porn that men do Mm. um well porn is 
made for men by men mostly like there, there's porn for women or whatever but for, yeah. for the most part like it's for men totally. and so um can you speak to how when you're in that lonely state and you talked about it as a, a form of escapism mm. um what did that what did that do to you mentally what did that do to your relationships oh. what did that do to your like can you speak to other men about the benefits or the the detriments okay. of what that looks like so I'll speak the benefits first because it's a short list. <laughs> uh, so the benefits were I got an opportunity to escape whatever I was wanting to escape um, in that point. So what you said, escapism. Uh, the benefit was I got a moment where I actually felt good. Um, the benefit was I chose something that was safe. Mm-hmm. Safe, mm-hmm. what I thought was safe. Mm-hmm. Because true intimacy uh, in my mind, I will be rejected that way and that will create more pain. So now nah, let's not go that route. Let's go the easy route. Let's find the safe route and let's just go for porn mm-hmm. because then I can still get that what I thought was the same sensation mm-hmm. um, because to me, sex was still a surface level thing. Um, yeah, so what I thought was, um, yeah, the same sensation, but it was safe. So I'd choose yeah. that yeah. every time. Um, but yeah, I'd still crave woman. I'd still crave intimacy, um, but I still can um, I still can quite grasp this sort of confusion between the two of pornography and woman and now I, I finally reached a point where um when i would be in a relationship or i would end up sleeping with a woman that i would have um problems keeping it up <laughs> massive problems um i would have because of the fear or, or like because the rejection or like fear but also in my mind uh i'd been brainwashed by pornography that um woman had to look a certain way mm-hmm. um and things had to feel a certain way and i had to be a certain way as well so yeah. all this stuff so it was not just from a lack of confidence because of the porn showed um men being this like truly dominant knew exactly what they were doing sort of um person rather than actually being with a woman um and like taking control and all this i didn't feel capable of that mm-hmm. um, i was i was a shy little timid kid um now so there was that part but then there's also the fact that the way I would see it on the screen stimulated my brain, my neurology in a way where um, when I see things like in this sort of specific, really perfect like angles, yeah. uh, like perfect like sort of curves and all this sort of thing, my neurology would say, okay, cool. Now you can get hard. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's what would happen. And so it caused issues, not just with sex, but it also caused issues where my mind would constantly go to sex. Mm. I just kept thinking about sex. Mm. I kept thinking about, oh i can't wait to get home and start just and just sit down and watch it porn because i'm going to be able to escape this pain from today so yeah. i'll get excited about going home and just so that i could feel like absolute shit afterwards and i'd always feel guilty i'd always feel horrible about it um now i've got a very what i think is a really great relationship with um my own sexual desires mm-hmm. so for example if it comes to actually meeting someone um i don't do one night stands for, for one um and that Can was we just a, like a slow clap for that right now? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. hard about that uh, thank Sorry. you um so that's for one but for two i want to actually create a connection with the woman first before anything is decided from there so there's i i go on with the intention to not set an intention for sex <laughs> if that makes sense yes so it's an intention to get to know the woman first and uh this has honestly been quite tough i'm not gonna lie because it's come from like i haven't watched porn in three years now but um it was at that thank you um it was at that point when i realized how traumatic it was for me because i was bleeding into not just my sexual relationships but all my relationships Mm -hmm. even my relationships with my mother and my father and my friends and i just always have these bad like 
what I thought at the time was oh, terrible thoughts and I'd be so shameful of mm-hmm. those thoughts. So I felt even more shameful because of pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't think anyone watched it, anyone struggled with it. Um, so I'm just here to tell you that yes, a lot of men struggle with it. I've got a lot of friends who are open with it now, which is good. So some of them still watch it a lot, um, but they're open about it, yeah. which is good. So it's good to see that it's at least. Step. Yeah, it's a good step. It's um, at least the process is starting. Because uh, no. you can believe that any, anything that's mm. free, mm. you're the product. Yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> if it's free, yeah. like, they're not, you're not getting something. They're, they're getting something. Mm. So That's huge. Yeah. It's really huge. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, that addiction feeds the industry, right? So Yeah. Um, Which feeds so many other things, right? The, the, I was reading this thing. There's a guy on Instagram, I think, called Shock Bars, something like that. Anyway, he's like very in your face about all the shit that he says and he talked to he was kind of like breaking it down for women and how women have essentially become these porn stars for for men and how men require these women with these blown up lips Mm. and these you know boobs and ass and you know like teeny tiny weight things that they're not real and we've been convinced or socialized to believe that the cubic zirconia is more valuable than the diamond and because you got to dig for the diamond right like and the diamond may have some imperfections or whatever but it's much more valuable than the fake cheap fast cubic zirconia and so I started thinking about from a women's woman's perspective, like don't Instagram, don't fool you, you know, like don't be fooled that these women out here who are, you know, butts all day long and whatever. And like, as far as like being a man and like what that provides you like stimuli, like stimulus reasoning, um, it makes, I, I know, I understand that that's a struggle too. There's a lot of temptation there. There's a lot of whatever, but what it is, is telling you that this this is what, like you said, this is what you need to get hard. And you're missing the, the intimacy, the love, the thing, the thing that you seek that, that is to quell the loneliness that you feel. Totally. And you override it completely for the body, for the night mm-hmm. that you, but like in general, um, only refeeding that dysfunction. Yeah, I'm just feeding the loneliness essentially. So yeah. that's what I was doing. I was, yeah. Um, I mean, the pornography made me feel more lonely because I would um, finish what would normally be an intimate experience, mm-hmm. but completely and in such a lonely um, way, in a way that of rejection to myself. Yeah. I was essentially rejecting myself and loneliness feeds off rejection, right? So I was feeding that rejection from my own actions. And then I was also feeding my rejection through uh, creating a situation with a woman where I created pain in that relationship um, with both me and the woman mm-hmm. um, because of that toxic mentality coming into it. Uh, so that created um, friction, problems, and leading to more rejection and then even more loneliness. So mm-hmm. this is a just constant toxic cycle. Uh, now, for me to actually... For me to break out of it, it got to a point where it was just too traumatic. It caused too many issues. Um, but for me, and it's, yeah, I just definitely encourage, if you are listening to... <laughs> Um, give yourself the opportunity to see how your relationship might change if you took um, took time to actually move. Just understand that there are uh, tremendous benefits from giving yourself the opportunity to move away from a stimuli like porn and to actually focus on true authentic connection. Because looking into porn, it, it inhibited my ability to truly connect. Mm. Inhibited my ability to truly connect. I just didn't feel like... Um, because my focus now was on that one moment at the end of sex, at the 
end of sex, mm-hmm. right? That was in my mind. That's the end of sex, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the end of intimacy is when the guy comes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was my focus. So that was always the goal, and that's all I could think of. So I couldn't think of what I was doing in the situation. I couldn't mm-hmm. think of how I felt in the moment. I couldn't f- think of the intimacy that I was experiencing because you I cut had, off all the other energy that's involved in that exchange. Yeah, totally. Because what, like, I've got. One, I've only got if I've only if I've got one eye on the goal, I've only got one eye on what I'm doing. Yeah. Right? So at the end of the day, uh, when I could finally take my mind off the end goal and understand that actually, you know, it's not the end of the world if I don't come. It's not the end of the world if um, some mishaps occur in sex. Um, mishaps. It's not mishaps. It's just part of the experience yeah. and it's beautiful. Uh, when I finally came away from that, I actually truly found a lot more joy in sex and found th- found that. Uh, whenever uh, it came to the end of that experience that I felt I don't felt em- I don't feel empty mm-hmm. I don't feel empty I actually felt more fulfilled there'll be times when I felt drained because I was sort of um, fixed on that goal again but then I sort of learned to bring myself back and I sort of went through phases like that um, I even went through six weeks again with no fapping no ejaculation um, even in sexual encounters um, no ejaculation and that was definitely life-changing for wow. my experience, not just with sex, but my relationship with women, because mm-hmm. it taught me how to be um, there with the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, because no matter, and it also took away the possibility of that goal. Yeah. Because now I know, long, now even no matter how hard I might try in that moment, if I've got that possibility for that goal, there's still like a little bit of energy going right. towards that goal because it, it feels so great, right? So that's what's going through my head. So the moment I eliminated that, um, especially for six weeks, was a moment that I just fully connected with mm. a woman and that was incredible so uh, what did that do for your own energy um it was interesting so um when i went through that experience i definitely felt a raised vibration um definitely a big raised vibration there were explain to our audience what that means for the people who aren't like super spiritual or whatever yeah. what do you mean by raise your vibration so raise my vibration um raising For me, it was raising that uh, the energy that I was seeking in the past. So the energy that I was seeking in the past was, were, were energies like joy, happiness, um, uh, courage, mm-hmm. um, peace. Uh, so peace is obviously um, quite still, but um, with these sort of raised energies, that's what I was chasing in the past. So and love as well, being a being a definitely a raised vibration and um, a raised energy and. Uh, so I was filled with more of that. I was filled mm. with more love. I was filled with more compassion. I was filled with more joy. I was filled with more happiness. So that's sort of, I guess, a way I might put it. Mm-hmm. So with that, I not only felt more of these emotions, but I also felt physically more energy. Okay. Yeah. So physically more energy for, for a while, um, because I went into a cold turkey and I'd sort of got, been going through habits of um literally masturbating maybe four or five times a week no, no porn that's that was long gone mm-hmm. but um because I, that was just a habit now it was yeah. just something that i just did yeah. it wasn't something that i actually truly enjoyed and learned to create a connection within myself yeah through that experience yeah uh that i because it was something that i chased it, yeah it was um it did give me it didn't give me the opportunity to actually see what it was like to not let out that sort of energy mm-hmm. to, um, at the end of the day my body's going to got to produce something that can literally create a life mm, um yeah. yeah and i'm just letting it's it out constantly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> boom <laughs> um but at the end of the day i'm just constantly 
letting all of that out and what i noticed was because it was something that helped me sleep and if it can help me sleep doesn't that mean it also makes me a little bit tired yeah lowers my vibration lowers my energy so that's what i was noticing so yeah being able to come away from that for a few weeks and give myself the opportunity to feel what it was like without that mm-hmm. it definitely changed not just my relationship with women and to the people around me but even more so with myself wow so mm. wow gosh like i don't I mean, I've had vulnerable like conversations with guys before, but like, I feel like it is so refreshing to be able to hear that type of perspective, especially for people who are listening, because, uh, it's, it is often such a taboo topic Mm. and I, I hate taboo topics in the sense of it keeps people in the darkness. Like Mm. it keeps you in the darkness and that's kind of the point, right? Like porn is supposed to be taboo and it's supposed, you can't talk about, don't talk about masturbation. Don't talk Mm. about these things because then that like loneliness can still feed. Like, and then we, if you, it fuels our desire for consumption, it, it, it fuels the, the apps like, right? Like a continual swiping. Everything is about consumption because we can't bring it out into the light. I have this whole thing about like the nipple, like I'm so, pissed about how like women we can't show our nipples if we want to or um with especially i'm an artist i'm a photographer so like to be able to show people because it would take away the taboo of a woman's body and thus then it wouldn't be sexual anymore Mm. right over sexualized so people who have shit to say about women who breastfeed or whatever and it's like go fuck yourself like the only reason we have these things is so we can feed our kids Mm. that should be primary like Mm. that's first and so the hiding of it and the shame of the, like, oh, we're not supposed to show and we have to be modest or whatever perpetuates the dysfunction because as long as it's in hidden, then in porn, it's like, oh, we got to see this thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And if it was something you saw all the time, it wouldn't be so over-sexualized, right? For and the sure. same thing for, for men, like in that, what you're, exactly what you're talking about, the the, the addiction or the, the feeling of having to utilize your life force energy towards this thing that makes you feel more empty Mm. and then you feel more lonely and more depressed and you can't you have no outlet to talk about Mm. it you have no one to go to about it like you 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 sit in your room by yourself and then what like the depression i mean it's like it's it's a perfect perfect system for it's almost systemic and and making sure that men stay depressed stay working, you know, like for that value, like, you know, like if I get this job, if I get this, if I get this woman, if I get, you know, like it, it keeps you in that cycle and you never, ever really can find peace. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's definitely because it's a constant chase. If it's a constant chase, I can never truly be here. I can never truly be content. Um, at the end of the day, if I can have contentment with the wanting to grow rather than a space of emptiness with the need to grow Mm uh i mean that's where the anxiety was for me was Mm -hmm. the emptiness with the need to grow with the need to fill my cup um instead it was coming back to that idea that okay if i can fill my own cup first then um and that can come from overflow it no longer feels like people are stealing from me when i'm trying to help someone or when i'm trying to um, be kind to someone and i'm betraying my own happiness Mm -hmm. for the sake of someone else because i currently don't know how to fill my own cup so then there will be all this resistance, frustration, anger, um, and a lot of walls would be put up because I don't have much energy to give out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd constantly feel like I needed to give out that energy in order to help others because helping others would make me enough. So it sounds like this crazy, yeah. like, <laughs> um, this really crazy storm of uh, thoughts and ideas, but that's essentially what was going on. Now, Do I you also... Do think your struggles reflect most of male society today 
I, I can't speak for that. I honestly okay. can't speak for that, so I'm not sure. Um, that's just what I'm, what I experienced, and I've definitely heard many men speak to me after me speaking out on this on like my Instagram or my podcast, and people will definitely come to me, which is beautiful. But again, that's right. men, not all men. Right. right, right. Um, so there's that. But also, I really want to uh, voice this because I think I would have needed to hear this back then. It's when I was struggling with porn and masturbation and all this. Is it's um don't see it as something that makes you a lesser life um because if i saw that as if i heard that okay it's Did you say less alive? a lesser life okay yeah, lesser so, life. yeah okay. so a lesser life um if i was seeing it that way then i would have felt more depressed and therefore i would have just um then i would have seeked that more and then i felt more shameful afterwards mm. and that would have just been a bit of a worse cycle and put me into a downfall so what i encourage you to do is rather than see yourself as not enough because you watch porn or not enough because uh, you have this mentality. No, that doesn't make you not enough. It just means that uh, the way you've been shown, uh, this is the way you've been shown and that's just the way that you've been brought up and that's the way you've been taught by whatever source or whatever means that might have been for you. So it's not, don't see it as uh, a a fact that you are not enough because of this. But if you can see it as an idea that uh, if you were to actually start to uh, start to actually properly work on what was going on within in terms of the pain, in terms of the loneliness and the anxiety, to be able to step away from the toxic uh, vices uh, such as pornography or such as binge eating or whatever, uh, if you can actually see yourself as, okay, just because I do this, it does not mean that I am not enough. However... I'm not going to find peace if I constantly chase this. So if you can come to that concept and that idea, then I think that would probably be the best route for them. Because for myself, like I said, if um, I just had something else to beat myself up with, I would I would take it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So how do men, last question, how mm. do men ask for help? That's going to be very difficult because I feel like that's very variant. For myself... Um, it was just, it was simply a matter of having the opportunity to hear someone else say that they struggled. So of course, anyone listening to this podcast would hear it. Um, so that's definitely, that was the first step. The second step for me was to, um, go to someone that I trusted. So this was, um, a counselor that was in, um, that had helped some of my family. So that was an opportunity to see, talk to someone that I trusted for some, it might be messaging, um, myself or Aaliyah or anyone that they follow on Instagram even mm-hmm. um, that is honestly a really like I said a really freeing thing that, that people can do at, at the end of the day it's not being a burden to me it's not being a burden to Aaliyah or anyone it's actually um, it's a very beautiful thing if um, if we receive that and we, um, I know I feel very humbled um, I feel very honored uh, when people actually yeah. uh, reach out for help um, in that way because um, it's, I, I was, I've been there, right? I've mm-hmm. been in that place where I don't know what to do. So naturally, um, I want to do what I can to try help others in any way I can. So, yeah. Dude, Karen, you're a special soul. Thank I'm you. so glad to get the chance to get to know you. Cool. Um, if you guys know someone who who needs help expressing themselves or feels feels close to suicide or is struggling with addiction, particularly our men. Like, uh, you know, I know women, like we've, we've got our struggles, we've got stuff that are going totally. on, but like there is definitely a virus within what's been happening to men in a systemic way that has broken them down and not, and 
we, we see it from our perspective of what it does to us. But if we can look a little bit deeper and have some compassion for, um, the lonely, the loneliness, like that, that idea of like, I have to be strong. I can't show weakness. I can't be vulnerable. And there's no sense of outlet for those feelings. It's so unhealthy mm. and it fuels the rest of everything that we're experiencing. The trash that we talk about is merely just a symptom of a much deeper problem. And we just need to get to the, the root of the problem. Let's, mm. let's, let's treat that with compassion and love. So K- Karen, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Alana. And, um, if you guys know someone who could benefit from this, please definitely share. Um, and we'll talk to you in the next episode. Thanks yeah. for listening. Cool. Bye. Thank you. Interested in becoming a client for energy coaching? Find me at www thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do or hit me up on IG at thelovelyalia for daily content and inspiration.